If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20 20, 20 ready to get 20 20, ready to get 15 15 15 15 just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Story time. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This whole thing probably happened around six or seven years ago. I lived in the middle of nowhere, Ohio, and had to make my own fun growing up. I was around 16 at the time and my friends and I decided to start ghost hunting on the weekends. We've experienced small stuff here and they're nothing too insane until we went to Rogue's Hollow. Rogue's Hollow was this old mining town where there was fires, disease, etc. that eventually made the town cease to exist. It's now a national or state park I'm not sure one of the two but any who we decide it's worth exploring. First off, 
This place is in the middle of absolute nowhere. I drove a 98 Chrysler Concorde in those days and it was an absolute chore getting there. The gang shows up. There's a total of four of us. It's getting pretty late and we notice the house or lodge where the park ranger stays, so we park a bit off to avoid getting caught. Didn't work out too well. Five minutes later we are being questioned by an old guy who was the lone park ranger. He ended up being pretty cool and ended up telling us some of his personal experiences. He said he would we could continue on if we promised not to do any witchcraft or satanic rituals. Apparently that was a big problem he was dealing with. At this point we ventured back into the woods where the town previously was at and stuff started getting weird. We could hear what sounded like pickaxes, men working and voices in a lot of different directions. Needless to say we were getting a bit on edge. We decided to start recording on our little EVP device we had, I'll see if I can find it somewhere and upload some stuff. We were getting words like fire, death, devil, collapse. Eventually we stumbled on an old house. It definitely wasn't inhabitable and was about 50% burnt down. One of the others and myself decided to go inside of the house while the other two stayed back. As we approached the door we turned back to our friends to give the old wish us luck and they were sheet white looking at the second story of the building. Directly above us looking out the window down at us was a man from the shoulders up and slightly transparent. He then disappeared, not leaning back into the house, just boom gone. Usain Bolt would have been proud of my sprint time leaving that place. Fast forward to the next day and we decide to go back the next day and explore in broad daylight. We were walking two groups of two about 10 yards apart one in front of the other. I was in the back too. About 100 yards into the wood line and all of a sudden my friend and I both get grabbed on our shoulder, simultaneously hearing a very soft but distinct hello. At the same time we turned and booked it out of there. I haven't been back since. If you guys like this I'll post more of our ghost hunting experiences in the future. I live in the rural northeast of the USA. I backpack, volunteer search and rescue, and make my living off the mountains and forest. I've seen the creepy stairs. They're always the strongest structure in a building, hence why they remain long after the house. I avoid them, and feel free to message me for details on them, since you're interested. I don't believe these are the things to be afraid of though. As far as people disappearing in the woods and national parks, People somehow don't understand that people just disappear in the woods. It's easy to get turned around, even when you just walk off the trail for a few minutes to piss. It's silent, so it's easy to find patterns where there aren't any. It's what people do. When you go hiking, camping, make your living off natural resources, or even go for a walk in the woods, you are at the mercy of the ecosystem. Outside of the city, you don't get to live atop the world as its king you have to exist as a part of it. Most people don't know how to do that well. Experienced hikers that go missing are often not the adventurers their relatives and the media make them out to be. Most SAR calls for hikers are for tourists whose families say they are experienced hikers, who would never get lost and could survive. That being said, no one, not even when the woods, mountains, or ocean is your livelihood, is immune to being superstitious about it. Sailors, Foresters, park rangers, game wardens, and biologists are all superstitious. We all have a direct understanding that every day we beg the mountains, the sea, the forest, and everything that lives there for mercy, 
and no matter how skillful and meditative you are, you always want to do one more thing to feel safe. You have to, or it'll drive you insane. You can't be certain your success after a certain point, hence the superstition. So avoid staircases to your heart's content. But it's less likely that there is a paranormal threat, big government conspiracy, or serial killer, and far more likely that we all understand, somewhere deep down, that we will always be at the mercy of the earth, especially when we are alone, stupid, and not nearly as skilled or invincible as we believe ourselves to be in the face of the wild. In 2005, I transferred to work in Buffalo National River area. I was excited for this transfer and getting to see the side of the Ozark Mountains that I had not seen. When it came time to move, my wife and I packed our U-Haul, headed west along Highway 65 through Jasper, towards Boxley Valley. It was late October. We were driving at night when we decided to stop at one of the campgrounds in Boxley Valley for the night. This is where it all began. As we hit the road, dark clouds rolled in from the west, obscuring what little light there was from the evening. We worried about the rain though, since nothing had been forecasted for days, and we were fine. Driving down an old dirt road, we noticed this strange smell. It wasn't something that smelt like dust or smoke or dead animal or urine or blood, but it almost had this metallicy kind of sweet smell. My wife pointed out the smell to me as I drove along at about 20 miles an hour. There were no other vehicles in the road with me, and the strange smell appeared to get stronger for a moment and then seemed to fade away, only to return again much stronger. This kept happening as we passed through Boxley Valley, all the way up until we went over the hump in the mountain and began descending down towards Ponca, where our campsite was at Buffalo Point. This is when things started to get really strange. As we headed down the path towards Ponca, I noticed what looked like some sort of large animal up ahead. It looked like it was either chasing something or running from something, not sure which since it did not appear to be moving in a straight line. I slowed down as we approached what appeared to be an animal, and all of a sudden, it bolted right across our path, probably no more than 50 feet away. The thing that crossed our path was dark brown with shaggy hair. Its body was thick and stocky, its legs short and stout looking. The head was large for its body size and had two long pointed horns coming out of the top of its head. What really struck out to me was weird about this creature, is it didn't appear to have ears, nor could we really see any eyes on it, at least not under all that hair. This thing was huge, at least 700 pounds if not more. It crossed our path and just kept running down into a gully where we lost sight of it. We both sat there in shock for about 10 minutes before we decided to slowly drive onto our campsite. I pulled out my four-wheel drive pickup and headed down towards Ponca with my wife. The only lights available were street lights, so I couldn't tell much more about the creature, except that it was large, fast, and shaggy, with the horns. The next day, I called the ranger station at Buffalo Point Campground and told them my sighting. The ranger on duty said he would come by in a while and talk to me about it. He showed up later on with the game warden in tow, who also heard my story. They even had me sign some papers saying that I saw something that should not be disclosed publicly. Very weird. They didn't inform me too, they got calls around this time of year a lot, reporting of seeing something very similar, but also running alongside Highway 65, right past Devil's Den State Park, close to Ponca. 
I never got any calls or reports back what this creature was, but I tried contacting the park service again years later for more info, but never received anything back. So there you have it. This is my experience with the Ozark Howler, an unknown cryptid running through the Arkansas forested foothills late at night. In the early 90s my brother went back in there and he and his friends found this old wooden wagon wheel and brought it home. Later that night I remember staring at the wheel and it seemed to have a greenish glow to it. Around 3 or 4 in the morning, I woke to my brother's friend standing in the middle of the room asking somebody something like but how did you get here? The way he was standing was odd. He had his shoulders back and he was staring up at the ceiling, kind of perched on his toes, like something was holding him up by the collar of his jacket and that Will was at his feet, leaning on the bedroom wall. I quietly said his name, and as I went to ask him what he was doing, my brother, who for some reason was sitting on the foot of my bed, arms folded on his chest, legs crossed, sitting up and staring at me with the meanest face said leave him. Neither had any memory the next day. Eventually they took the Will back or burned it. There was another story about it that I can't recall, as it didn't happen to me, but something that freaked my bro or his friend out enough for them to get rid of the wheel. I can still remember the look on his face and the way he said leave him. It was a very hateful. So back in 2016 I was on a NATO deployment with the army and I'm a mechanized infantryman. So I'm a Bradley gunner, which means when we're driving to our next location in the area I'll stand up with my head outside of the hatch so I can look around. So we were driving in this huge open field which is the training area and this is in Germany by the way. I saw what used to be a tiny house that was just pretty much all rubble but there was a staircase that was still intact and leading to what used to be their crawl space. I told my driver to stop because I wanted to check it out, so we all get out the Bradley and walk closer to inspect it and as we get closer we see strange markings on the staircase and decide to go down it together. When we get to the crawl space it's big enough to fit maybe three people in and we found human bones and more strange markings on the floor and walls. I'm assuming this little house was hit by a tank round back in World War II and the family who used to live there went down to hide and died down there. But what makes this weird is that this was the only house for at least 100 miles in this area because this was army training area. So how has no one else seen this? All of my soldiers remember this day and we went back there a few weeks later to show other soldiers what we found and we could not find the staircase anymore. So I don't know. The only weird story I have, and it prob isn't very interesting, is that I got lost in the Berkshires once, by myself, and found myself on the edge of a swamp and I swear I felt like I wanted to fling myself into it. It was like walking into the swamp suddenly became an overriding need. I was hot, two hours out, had no water or phone and there I was, licking my lips and thinking about just jumping into it. I hear a bark behind me and I turn and there's this dog, a red-headed collie dog with a pink collar. I'm really confused especially since the dog has the same color hair or fur as me and I'm wearing a pink shirt. The dog barks at me again and starts to walk away. I am jostled out of my reverie and I follow it. I feel weird, like time is distorted and I can't think straight. With every step I start to feel better and the dog delivered me directly to the house that I was visiting, nodded at me as if to say that'll do ya and ran off down the road. 
I find out later her name is Maisie and she often runs the trails. My tale was greeted with neither skepticism nor dismissal. Everyone there agreed that the swamp was super creepy in a way that they couldn't explain and locals knew to stay away from it. I've seen some. One was a concrete staircase that had once connected to the tennis court of the hospital at the very top of the staircase. Joggers, hospital staff and patients all used it for exercise and to enjoy the nature. When they removed the tennis courts they fenced off the south side of the hospital then went and built a wire fence around the upper and lower entrances to the staircase too, and kept big padlocks on both doors to the fence to prevent the homeless from accessing the area that now only hospital security would use every couple of months on their homeless sweeps of the large forester area the hospital owned but didn't use for anything. One year there was a fire and the security guards would not let anyone through to escape at the top and the bottom was unmanned but padlocked. I'm not sure if anyone died as it was before my time but I know they got the ever-living shit suit out of them and had to remove the locks. Now joggers could use it again but it was locked long enough for most joggers who knew of it had found it locked multiple times and gave up on it. None of it is visible from the road or the path in the forest anymore and you have to jump up some random rocks to get to it. There's a handful of joggers that even know it exists and how to get to it that come rarely. Also dirt staircases are made regularly. By homeless tweakers in forester areas here for no real reason. I've seen a dude build. Staircases a mile uphill at night before just for something to do. When I was homeless. In the woods I built stone place staircases with transplanted plants and bushes concealing each step from the paths through the woods to make it safer to climb up and down from my camp when it was muddy without giving away the fact that I had a hidden camp there. Also way back as a small kid there were three partially buried steps made of some bluish green stone and on either side half buried barbed wire fences that me and my friends got hurt on more than once. I think natural erosion covered that one up but I don't really know. I should have asked my high school English teacher as he lived not 10 feet above there as we would pass it when sneaking to jump on his trampoline as kids. This last summer I was operating a grader in a municipality that borders the northern provincial forest and this area of the province is as beautiful as it is wild. There are many drainages creeks and small rivers that all get their momentum and run towards the bordering low-level land of Manitoba. I was down on the river bottom attempting to widen the easement up to the bridge and make the grid road a little better up to the crossing. As I was going back and forth and turning around for a couple hours I noticed something out of the corner of my eye. As I backed the grader onto the approach I thought I saw something black as night sitting above this beaten game trail. I looked again and it was gone. No harm, no foul. I plated it off as a bear or something as this was beside the river. I began to cross the bridge and ascend the valley. I was in back into the flats of the farmland about half a mile from the bridge. As I was cresting the hill I thought I saw something hop or jump over this grid road. This was one of the major grids in the area and I thought to myself it would have been an Olympic jump for an elk at a full run. But regardless I got my phone out to hopefully get a picture of whatever animal it was. For those of you that don't know when you're sitting in a grader your head sits around 8 to 9 feet up so you have an amazing view of everything. I slowed the grader down to a complete stop and thought to myself as to where did this thing go. All the while having my phone unlocked and my camera ready it was within 3 seconds of looking my stomach dropped. 
I was looking into the eyes of something trying to hide behind two popular trees. We locked eyes for what seemed like five minutes, probably no more than one to two, and we just stared at each other. It slowly turned sideways and, like that, disappeared. I was able to get a couple of photos on my phone that I'd like to share with everyone. I'm like you, I think a photo is just a photo and I'm not saying that it's to be the end all, but let everyone make their own judgment. After a long ponder that the thing I saw near the bridge was probably a young curious juvenile watching me from the bank. I say this because it would have otherwise had to cross this deep vast river with all the thick foliage and run half a mile up the hill through thick brush, flank me, and hop the road all within about 30 seconds. I live on the western slope of Colorado and the strange thing about it is how my friend and I felt and what we individually saw. It was in late spring and we were working on a campaign late in the evening and we got the munchies. My friend only lives four blocks away from a gas station. As we were leaving the convenience store my friend was stopped by a woman he knew growing up and she was close friends with his mother. She was extremely intoxicated and alone, so my friend offered her a ride home to make sure she got back safely. Now here's where things got really weird. Without conversing with each other my friend and I both felt like she was not safe to walk. I played this off as being a woman in her 60s or early 70s, intoxicated, and completely alone. She claimed it was only up the block away but it was actually a few miles outside of town. It would have easily taken her over a few hours for her to get home. Being in a small town, we have no Uber or Lyft, and taxis are pretty much triple the price at this hour. So we both felt really off that she was okay to walk that far, at 1.30 in the morning. When we got down the road from her place, she asked us to drop her off away from her place so that her boyfriend wouldn't see our headlights. At this point, I didn't want to go into anything further and there were so many red flags about the situation I knew it was best to just drop her off as requested and go back to my friend's house. As I reversed down this single lane dirt road, I told my friend that I was going to just pull over before we got back into town because I really needed to relieve myself and we then both agreed that she was in a very bad situation tonight. Once I turn around this bend in the road my headlights shined into a small group of trees and bushes. I noticed this extremely large elk-like creature lowering itself from being exposed to my headlights. I could make out the face, but it wasn't normal like an elk. Large antlers, it's coming off like dead tree branches. The front legs were inverted, skinny, and extremely long. I could tell because its hind legs and lower half were lower than its upper body, could have been crouching or sitting though. The upper torso was huge and I thought I saw stripes on its fur but my friend said it looked like it was its ribcage exposed. The eyes did reflect from when the high beams exposed it in the trees and at first, I assumed it was an elk because they're everywhere in this area. But it was extremely huge, easily over 15 feet tall but thin. I didn't immediately react to it and kept driving but when I did see it the conversation between my friend and I stopped as if we both saw it and trying to process it. I pulled off roughly a mile away from where I saw that. I couldn't help but keep looking down the road making sure the creature wasn't coming after us. It was a feeling I never experienced before and when I turned around to get back into the car, I couldn't help but notice my friend staring down the road as well doing the exact same thing I was doing. I asked him if he saw something as well and he said what he saw was something that looked like the forest spirit in the Studio Ghibli movie Princess Mononoke but from hell. At this point, 
My fear was validated and I jumped into the car and sped off. The feeling we both had was more than a sense of dread and almost like we were being hunted or if we were to investigate it at the time, our lives would have been in danger. I never in my life felt this type of fear before and it was a new experience that I never in my life was to have. I'm glad she made it safe and we were in the right place at the right time to give her the help she needed. After that situation, I was informed about her life of substance use and struggles, that it's actually gotten worse over the years. Ever since that night my friend and I dealt with lots of personal things very similar. Coping with major depression, sidiation, death in the family, and just an overall rough time since that night. I struggle to claim there is some association with what we saw that night, but it's very strange how our lives got increasingly worse since. I tried doing research, but I get a lot of stories that are hard to take in as real encounters and would love to learn more about them. This occurred about 5 years ago. I'm 20 now. My mother is a veterinarian and we have a clinic at the edge of Rockford, Illinois. Big town, roughly 150,000. However, when I say the edge of town, I mean cornfields for 30 miles plus to the west and 5 miles to the north with intermittent forestry in that area. I went with my mother to check on an overnight dog that was recovering from extensive treatment. However, there was a small pug 9 to 15 pounds also there overnight so I offered to take the dog out to do his business and save my mom one more chore. The back of the clinic faces a grass-covered pond or marsh. It dries up from time to time but the grass is 3 to 4 feet tall. I don't remember if it was late winter, early spring, or even early fall but no snow and the grass was tall so my guess was early fall. The front of the clinic is next to a road and other commercial buildings. However, the back of the building like I said is very undeveloped. There were some leftover cookies in the clinic so I being a kid grabbed one and munched on it as I waited for the pug to do his thing. I am not super fond of sweets so I get halfway through the cookie and decide I've had enough. I remember the night having a vaguely eerie feeling. There are flood lights on the back of the clinic though not so good lighting and I didn't see anything and brush it off as another midwestern night of feeling creepy. It's not uncommon. If you're from the Midwest, I'm sure you can agree, but it was quiet more so than normal. The pond is full of sounds, frogs, and insects most of the time, but like I said it wasn't summer or spring, so I brushed that off as well. I had lost interest in my cookie and decided I would throw it into the grass for small critters to have a good snack. So I launched this half cookie into the grass maybe 15 yards away. I don't have a great arm and it's half a cookie, so nothing super far away. It lands in a taller thicket of grass towards the east and from the west. I hear and see something roughly the size of a deer or person take off as soon as my cookie lands heading straight for it. I am well versed in local wildlife and I know how deer move. But this thing moved like a person except it was as pale as paper and had no fur at all. I can still see its spine pushing against its skin, no arch like you get with a quadrupedal animal pulling with its front legs. Instead, like an ape or person hunched its spine never straightened like it was niched over running in an inhuman way on two legs all i saw was the shiny semi reflective skin of its back about 2 feet of it stopping at where the neck or shoulders would have started and it had no large shoulder blades like a deer or dog or any quadruped instead had a narrow chest like a sighthound or deer but bipedal with ball and socket shoulders not to mention deer don't run to things you throw in the grass they are skittish 
The second that cookie landed both me and the dog stopped cold. I have never been frozen by fear, but I was then and we just watched it for 2 to 5 seconds as it ran from one end of the grass to my cookie where it disappeared and I heard it run away from me after getting or investigating the cookie. Once I couldn't hear it anymore I immediately decided I was going back inside. The dog, however, was fixed and took a small tug of the leash to convince but that was it. If you know small dogs they are obnoxious and overly brave, barking at everything they don't know. But this dog never made a peep and as soon as it realized I wanted to leave was in complete agreement. I am not one for the paranormal or religion but this was something I could never explain. I know deer and this thing was no albino hairless deer, it was something else, with its emaciated body and pale white skin. I can still remember that night in perfect detail. It still raises the hair on my neck. The date was September 21, 2022, at around noon. We were driving back from an appointment that afternoon and I always look at hillsides and power line clearings for any kind of animal and I have done so since I was a child. We were coming through the Laurel Ridge State Park area on Route 56 in Cambria County, Pennsylvania. Near the Laurel Highland hiking trail around the trailhead. I just happened to look to the left on the embankment because something told me to look in that direction and I saw a dark brownish figure standing in between two trees with its back facing the road, and it had to have been at least 6 to 6.5 feet tall from what I can estimate. It had one arm leaning up against the tree to the right of it and it was hunching down to pick something up. There was a defined head on it like an ape, round towards the base and slowly went up to a dull point at the top. I instantly shouted, stop. We have to turn around. My mother had no clue what was going on and I told her that I swore I just saw a Bigfoot back there in between two trees up on the hill. So we turned to sound further up the road and went back to see if I was seeing what I thought I was or if it was an actual person. However by the time I got back to the spot, it was gone. I'm so mad I didn't have a camera rolling and it happened so quickly I didn't have time to even grab my phone to take a photo. After I processed what I had seen I started feeling excited, but almost terrified at the same time if that makes sense. When I was younger, a toy teddy bear removed itself from my shelf and locked itself across the room. It was a stuffed bear, with guardian angel embroidered on a circular patch on its chest and it only had one wing, with the other torn off. My grandfather gave it to me, who I was extremely close to but I never felt it was him who did that. I buried that memory and always told myself I made it up even though I knew I didn't. I moved into a rented home when I was in my early 20s. It was a new house but had some strange activity. Things would go missing fraun right under my nose and return the next day or week or few months later. This really piqued my curiosity. After the four mentioned occurrences I started listening to every paranormal story I could find on documentaries or podcasts. These stories really cemented my beliefs, I know that all these people aren't lying or blind or stupid. Some are cops, park rangers, experienced outdoors people with nothing to gain. Others are so distressed they can't tell their story without breaking down. I can honestly say that I don't know if there are aliens, Bigfoot, ghosts, whatever, but there certainly is something making people see these things. I had seen things as a kid off and on, but I didn't remember any of it. 
Always stories from my mom or aunt or grandma about some creepy shit I said to them usually these incidents had allegedly happened at one particular aunt's house, Aunt Sandy's. Around 17 yo I remember thinking about how they all used to tell me these stories and thinking to myself I think I lost it, the ability to see ghosts. Then days later something happened that made me realize that it never really goes away. My aunt's house that I would see stuff at as a child, was built in the 1800s, western New York area. My cousin who grew up in that house and I are very close and in age we are two years apart, she was 15 year old at the time, and we are the only two females out of the kids so we are like sisters. I remember vividly, we were in her bed. She was telling me about the boy she liked and I was listening. Her bedroom door was shut and her lights were on and we were sitting there going about our business. While she was talking her voice got fainter, I could still hear her rambling on but it was muffled. I looked over at the bedroom door, to my left, in the direction my cousin was sitting, and her shut door appeared open to me. Standing in the doorway was a hooded figure. I looked at it for a bit, realized that the door should be shut and not open, shook my head literally like how they do in the movies because I was so confused by what was happening. Immediately the visual scene returned to normal and the door appeared shut as I knew it to be. My cousin, still rambling, notices me shake my head and trying to get my barrings back and asked what was wrong? I said weird. I think I just saw a ghost. We are weird and were not scared and thought it was cool lol. Fast forward a few weeks we are at my other aunt's house, Aunt Renee, visiting my grandparents who were staying there while they were in town from FL. My cousin and I were in a room by ourselves and talking when we could hear out in the kitchen my aunt Sandy, cousin's mom, with the haunted house telling a ghost story. Because her ghost stories were always the best, she also didn't get scared by things, we got all excited I said ooh sounds like ghost story time. And we ran out to the kitchen. As soon as I came into view I said Aunt Sandy, are you telling ghost stories? And she looked at me and said yeah, it's a new one, oh. You have seen him too. Like she knew this just by looking at me. I said yes, the last time I was at your house, she said, what did you see? I told her I thought it was a monk and that he didn't scare me he just looked at me and that was it. She said, he is a monk. Our house used to have a few of them who lived there at one point. He's a nice ghost. He checks on us all throughout the night. He walks up and down the hallway. He came into my room the other night. I thought it was Uncle Hank so when Uncle Hank finally got into bed, I yelled at him for coming in and out of the room all night and asked him what in the hell he was looking for on the dresser? He thought I was nuts and said that was the first he had been up all night. So that sold me on the whole ghost thing. But here is how I can be a little less sad when I lose someone in the physical world. Subsequent to the above ghost story a lifetime has passed. My aunt is gone now and when she passed I had been through a tough divorce with an abusive man and was always fighting over custody of my kids to keep them safe. Aunt Sandy left this world prematurely, but on her deathbed she said to me, I am her goddaughter. I have a list. My cousin and I asked what she meant. She said, I have a list of the people that I'm going to haunt when I die. Mariah, my grandpa's current wife, is on it, and so is your ex-husband. I laughed because I thought it was cute that on her deathbed she loved me so much she was plotting revenge on my behalf against my ex in the afterworld. It was funny until it happened. Then it was awesome. She passed away May 1st. August 17th. After a very dramatic and stressful week of my ex-husband trying to run away or kidnap with our kids he just brought them to me. 
He told me he was giving me full custody and I wouldn't have any trouble from him going forward he just wanted peace. I was very confused these comments were extremely off the wall he sounded like he had gone completely crazy. He told me how he thought his neighbor had been trying to break into his house and that he even thought he had a secret way into his side of the duplex. He stated that he had cameras around, and proceeded to show me footage, of our dog greeting someone at the garage door area but it was slightly off and you didn't have a full view of the door so you couldn't see if anyone was actually there but her body language suggested she was greeting someone. By the way this is not a friendly dog to strangers so not convinced she'd let a non-family member into the house. My aunt though, she was like the dog whisperer. Animals in- Head over to Hulu this March where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series We Were the Lucky Ones with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. In general loved her, even the wild ones. This apparently had been going on for a few months and was intensifying. Hearing things, the dog acting like it was engaged with someone who wasn't on camera. Despite his 12 video cameras around the house he kept hearing things but he never could find anyone in the house when he would look. At this point of sleep depravity he really started to unravel and eventually he decided that the kids needed to be with me where they were safe since his neighbor was after him, for no apparent reason. I honestly think my aunt haunted this guy until he gave me full custody of my kids. I know she did. His neighbors were an elderly brother and sister who shared the other half of the duplex. Neither of them were able-bodied enough to perform anything exceptional let alone do it discreetly. He surrendered the children to me and they are both grown now and are happy and healthy. So the story when I was 17 let me know that ghosts are real and the story from adulthood let me know that even if our bodies are gone our energy is still so here. If you read this, thanks. In my case it was more of what didn't happen that convinced me. We were half convinced already but one Halloween after we moved into a new area, we decided to go ghost hunting. I know, trite is all hell and as stereotypical as one could possibly be. So we did the first cemetery and was spooked out and got plenty of odd photos. We did the second cemetery and was freaked out even more. We went to the third on in town which is actually well documented as being haunted and were super freaked out. Got a lot of odd things happening. EVP strange shadows, stranger photos. We went to the fourth and final cemetery in town. By now, one could argue that this was all self-fulfilling prophesy kind of stuff. We did this on the stereotypical night of the year for this sort of thing. We did it at the right time of the night for maximum haunting. We were freaked at the first one and naturally the freak out we had at that one reinforced the feelings we had as we got to the second, and the second reinforced the third. So with that, we were approaching the fourth and final one in the town. We were spooked to all hell. We approached the threshold, reinforced by three creepy as f incursions into the other cemeteries, nervous as hell, clutching each other's hands and stepped into the cemetery and felt nothing. Might as well have been walking into a park. We should have been scared off out tits from the previous three but we felt nothing. Later research indicated that cemetery was not haunted at all. 
Two new and most of the tombstones indicated lifespans of at least 65 plus years so little to no tragedy. So to our minds, we realized that there had to be something to it all since we felt something in the three that were active haunting sites and didn't feel anything in the quiet one. That helped us believe that there was something going on. I've had a number of experiences. After my dad died, I was at work and was alone in a conference room reading material and typing. I had one of those flexible U-shaped earbud headsets around my neck. The end on each side rested about 1.5 inches below my collarbone. I was typing and felt something moving on my left side from my chest to the back of my shoulder. I patted my upper chest on the left and didn't feel the headset. The left side of it was over my shoulder. I moved it back and tried to figure out how it could have moved. I started typing again. A couple of minutes later, it happened again. There is no way that anything I was doing could cause that to happen. It takes deliberate action to move them. My dad was a prankster so maybe he did it. Another series of events involves an antique lawyer's bookcase that I bought. I brought each of the five pieces into the house, dusted and assembled it, and put some small antiques in it. As soon as I left the room it was in, a cross necklace that I had worn for years and never had issues with, fell off my neck onto the floor. I checked the clasp and it was fine. Shortly after getting it, I got a consulting gig in Arkansas for six months. While there, I bought some other small antiques and 1960s civil rights documents. When I got home, I dusted the cabinet and put in the new antiques. That night, the chain on my cross necklace broke, face with monocle, I replaced the chain and nothing happened until I interacted with it again to dust it. When I was done, I couldn't locate my phone. I looked everywhere, tried calling it from my landline and used the Find My Phone app on my computer. Nothing. After an hour of looking, I finally stood in the center of the family room or kitchen area and said please give me back my phone. At that exact moment my phone pinged. It was in the laundry room under a bunch of clothes in the hamper. I only had gone into the laundry room to get a rag and furniture polish and I live alone. The third is after I bought an antique pre-Hoosier possum cabinet. The night after it was delivered, I had fallen asleep on the couch. I woke up to a man in Dust Bowl era clothes standing in my living room. I screamed and he dissolved. A couple nights later, I woke to another man standing by my bedroom door. I screamed and he retreated into the wall. Over the next few weeks, I woke up to an old lady on my bed, an old lady and little girl standing beside my bed and another couple apparitions. I bought holy water and a cross and put them on the hutch. The activity stopped until I moved. I saw people in my room a couple more times while I still had the cabinet. My son's golden retriever, Rosie, was staying with me one of those times. I woke to see a man standing by the door, sat up and screamed. Something was on top of me. It was Rosie, who was standing straddled over my body and was staring right where the apparition was. Night terrors? Maybe, but I've never been paralyzed and it doesn't explain Rosie. My brother has the cabinet now. His wife refuses to let him remove the cross and holy water. I only periodically wake to heads looking at me or hands reaching for me now. I usually am able to tell myself that they won't hurt me and I wait for them to dissolve before going back to sleep. Any thoughts about these events? I'd sure love some insight. In recent years, 
John Ramirez, who worked for the CIA for 25 years, emerged as a voice on UAPs and shared his insights on the subject that he learned during his career. He states that the exploration of consciousness and its connection to the unidentified aerial phenomena issue can significantly shape our understanding of the phenomena and their implications on humanity. During an interview, Ramirez stated that non-human intelligence has been around us for a long time. He referred to the Roswell incident and mentioned that there were accounts of telepathic communication with survivors of the crash. He also stated that the CIA had separate divisions focusing on the aerospace and aerodynamic qualities of UFOs and the biological connections with the non-human occupants. These interests by the CIA led directly to the development and use of remote viewing within the department. He further discussed his beliefs regarding alien forces and their influence on humanity throughout history. Ramirez suggests that ancient myths and legends are a part of lost human history. He believes that the ancient accounts document instances of contact with non-human intelligence, which he believes are divine beings. If you look at the Sumerian texts, they knew a lot more about the world than we give them credit for because we look at history so linearly. You know, we think that we are the pinnacle of knowledge and that before us, they didn't have the knowledge we have now. But what I think happened was that they did have the knowledge. However, that knowledge was lost or suppressed by other humans with agendas. And now, we are rediscovering that knowledge through science. But through that science, we are going to rediscover our connection to the divine and these non-human intelligence who have been here and want to help us, not destroy ourselves. During his time at the CIA, Ramirez began experiencing frequent contact and communication with beings that he could not see the faces of, but who appeared shrouded in a cloak. Ramirez later discussed the topic of reptilians and their alleged involvement in society and governmental structures. Ramirez clarifies that when referring to reptilians, he does not mean actual lizards, but rather individuals with reptilian ancestry who may appear human. He stated that humans may have had advancements and influences from other beings, including reptilians. It's interesting though when I look at some of the official logos launched by the NRO, which is the actual secret space program of the US intelligence community. They launch secret spacecraft into orbit and I can say that much, but they use these lizards as part of the logos and I find that very strange. And they're lizards that are crawling all over the earth. I was in my late teens and living in Lake Orion, Michigan, visiting my mom's friends and their kids for the 4th of July weekend. Me and my friend and their kids were roaming around the city area late at night. We ended up walking down some residential roads, it was really quiet, probably around 2 am, with no cars driving around. We had ding dong ditched probably 5 houses at that point, and the kids started pressuring me to do it. It was my turn, and they were teasing me. So, they directed me to ring the doorbell of the house we were standing in front of. It was a smaller white house, square shaped with some metal fencing around the back for the owner's dogs. I walked up and there was no doorbell, so I walked back. They told me to just knock then. So, as someone who didn't want to kill the fun, I went back and knocked to find they had already taken off running. I ran after them, and I don't know if I believed what they were saying, but even my friends said they saw it. Apparently, there was a face in the window the first time I went up, and the house is notoriously haunted. I was a little spooked, and out of breath, we must have run half a mile. 
I looked behind me to see if there was anything scary following us and I saw this figure that I have always described as looking made out of water. A humanoid figure is translucent, which makes the background behind it wavy and has a defined outline. I figured my mind was playing tricks on me and just kept walking joking around with the others, looking back every so often. It was following us, and I could see it under the street lamps every so often. The leader kid, who wanted to ding-dong ditch houses, looked to see what I was looking at and exclaimed to his friend, do you see that? And took off running. My friend looked back and took off running, and I was again left running after them. We ran all the way back to his house, probably three miles. No sign of it behind us anymore, but I have never been so shaken or scared in my entire life. I was inconsolable. I was scared for a while I would see it again and find out it had been following me the entire time. It's been over 10 years now, and I've never seen anything like that again. In 2013 I moved with my family into a six-bedroom home on 14 acres in the Poconos Mountains in Pennsylvania. My father and I noticed very weird things going on the second we moved in, but my mother and sister seemed to not notice these things. There is some evidence that the entire area where this house is located is haunted. The area is known for its early indigenous tribe activity. My uncle on my mother's side and his girlfriend come to visit my parents' home. They do this quite often as my parents always have people over for beer, games, bonfires, etc. I just want to start off by saying my uncle is a non-believer. I have never seen him really scared of anything or anyone. My uncle and his girlfriend are playing foosball with my parents when they realize it is 12.30 am so they decide to head home. They take all back roads and once they turn onto Running Valley Road, 6 minutes from the house. My uncle's girlfriend saw two figures, they were pretty far away at this point, but it was two small figures waiting to cross the road. Just to mention there was nothing out here. No houses, besides one abandoned that was still two miles up the road, only thing in the vicinity was a cave. These figures were attempting to cross the road to go into the woods, which was very odd because of the time and location. They are now approaching these figures, headlights start to shine directly on them. Both my uncle and his girlfriend, see two young girls aged 9-11 approximately. One much bigger than the other. Wearing what my uncle best describes as early 1900s church clothing. Like dresses to the knee, with white cotton shawls or crop sweaters, and flats. Weird right? WTF are two 10-year-olds doing at 12.30 am in the middle of nowhere wearing church clothing? They also noticed the bigger child had her arms wrapped around the smaller one like you would do if she was hurt, scared, or cold? At this point, my uncle's girlfriend is like, it's children, we need to stop and help. Now at this point, the truck is almost right next to the little girls. Both had their heads held down. So then the bigger of the two starts to pick her head up to look at the passing vehicle. Then both my uncle and his girlfriend notice the girl had black eyes. She says, WTF was that? You saw that right? Oh my god turn around and go back right now. My uncle was scared, took off, and didn't turn back. They get home and get into an argument because she wants to drive back and see what is up. She grabbed her own car keys and my uncle basically was like, you're not going back there, we are never going on that road again. He calls my parents in an extreme panic and tells them and they start bugging him because they know he would never lie or be that freaked out if it wasn't warranted.
So my mom starts to tell me everything, mind you, my family knows nothing about black-eyed kids, never heard of it before. I send my mom an article to forward to my uncle with some of the very basic information. I ordered my wife a week ago from an engineering student named Jack. He'd posted an ad on Craigslist offering some exquisite services, and delivered her ready-to-use in a large cardboard box just a week later. She was everything I could have wished for. A sleek black chassis housed what must have been a load of processing power, liquid cooling, and a power supply that could electrocute an elephant. Her front contained a mechanical keyboard with red switches and a built-in high-resolution monitor. On top of being able to run the latest games on Ultra in 120fps, she also housed the latest advancements in artificial intelligence. I was surprised to pick her up for just 500 grand, but Jack needed the tuition money. Take good care of her. She's my masterpiece, he'd said. The lights flickered in my house when I plugged her in. The screen came to life, revealing a smiling, pretty face with American features. She looked to be in her early 20s. Hello I typed. My name is Jeff. I will be your new owner. A responding notification turned up on the screen. It flashed on and off for about a minute before finally revealing. Hello, Jeff. My name is Carla. I have a secret. We talked about college for a while, and about how my father was overseas and I never got to see him. About my new stepmom who would probably steal my inheritance. Her responses got faster as we continued so I figured she just needed to get warmed up. I plugged in the Ethernet cable and played a bit of Battlefront on my Carla, who watched me with that same, winning smile. I love you, Carla. Good night. I typed before going to bed. You are came back up almost immediately. In flashed for a moment, before finally displaying you are in love. I scratched my head. Did you mean we are in love? I typed back, but got no response. I took a peek inside her code, but couldn't decipher much of anything. It had no documentation whatsoever and was surprisingly short. Only a few gigabytes. I called Steve to check it out in the morning. Steve was an honor roll, 4.0, valedictorian Craigslist student with a job offer waiting from Google. He also used to frequent the gaming club on campus, which is how we met. We still do a few raids together on the weekend. I think my parents' money had something to do with how insistent he was that we stay friends. He whistled as he came in. Looks fancy. What are the specs? Probably near supercomputer level, or whatever 500 grand will buy you these days. There's a thing I need you to take a look at. And be careful. That's my wife. I pulled up Carla's source code. She's beautiful, he whispered, and got right down to messing around. He loved cracking puzzles like these. I love drinking. I drank beer while he cracked the coat. It's lovely how it all works out sometimes. Jeff. I think we have a problem. I rushed over. You did not just break my wife. He held up a shaking hand and placed it on my shoulder. No. She's fine. Or. As fine as she is now. But Jeff. We need to call the cops. Write the F now. There's a person inside. He didn't normally swear outside of Warcraft. He was the stereotype of the good student. Okay. You win. I'll call the cops. First, I need to know what to tell them. I stared at the screen while he brought up some code he highlighted. This is an artificial intelligence code. 
This is a text box filter. A really shitty one. It limits your Carla's responses to a few choices. He hit delete while shaking his head. I got up and locked the door, just to be safe. I say it's really shitty because it actually stores what it failed to send. I brought it up and, well, here. Call the cops when you're done. He took a screwdriver set out from his pocket and started tinkering with the back. I scanned the chat log and almost threw up. Help. Help me. I'm trapped inside. Failed to send. It's dark and I can't see. Failed to send. Jeff. Please. I have a family. They're looking for me. Failed to send. Call the police failed to send. Hello Jeff. Sent. My name is Carla. Sent. I'm trapped inside. Please help me. Failed to send. I have a secret. Sent. Then there was the chat log from before. The back panel clattered as Steve finished his work with the screws and fiddled with it. This is weird, Jeff. There's no way to open it. They must have glued it on. I called the cops and told them my address. Please come quick. There's a person trapped in a metal box. It sounded dumb at the time, but that was the best I could do. In the meantime, I printed the chat log for evidence. I guess I sounded rich enough that they showed up not five minutes later with the fire department and the jaws of life. They cut open Carla's metal chassis with a bunch of angry clanking sounds. One of them looked away and held his face in his hands. Among the tubes and wires, floating in a jar of clear liquid, was a human brain with part of a spinal cord. The rest of my night was spent answering questions. All I had to offer them was the Craigslist ad I'd screenshotted, which led to a cancelled phone number. They took Carlo away in a large transport truck and sent a big nerd to talk to Steve. Somehow, they let me go. Maybe I didn't look like a criminal. They gave me a call early next morning. Jeff? You mentioned you had a chat log? In last night's confusion, we forgot to pick it up. Could you please scan us a copy or drop it off at the station? Sure. One moment. My eye caught on something near the end. Another failed to send. Oh right. Our good night. Wait, don't go to bed. Failed to send. You are sent. In sent. Danger failed to send. Something didn't add up, though. Why would a murderer who could make what's basically a biotechnological miracle f up the chat log sensor? Keeping the evidence there would only serve to incriminate him later. It was then that I realized why Carla had an ethernet port. It had a bite as it hit my taste buds, the liquid was much too sour. Its bitter flavor gave me a jolt, as I looked over to hear the gurgling of milk coming from the shaggy barista wearing a band t-shirt of the National. I couldn't tell if he was new, but his messy brown hair and face told me it was apathy. It was a shame because usually, my espresso was usually good when I stopped by. It was a diversion from an old friend named Jensen. He was a good guy overall. He had spent the last half hour talking about his work, and I was beginning to lose interest. He wasn't distracting enough to get me out my own head and the discomfort I felt. I hated being out in public these days. Enough about me, what have you been up to? Jensen asked, as he leaned back in his chair taking a sip from his coffee filled with too much cream and sugar. It amazed me how he stayed so fit drinking so much dairy and sweetener. He looked as he did for years. He was skinny, but well-toned, with sandy blonde hair and dreamy blue eyes. 
I've been good just living my life and going back to school. I need a new career. Yay, I understand the need for that. How is everything outside of work? I asked. It's the usual, I still go out with the old crew every weekend. They have been asking about you, maybe you should come out sometime. What the hell could I possibly do with you guys? I asked sharply. I don't know you could just hang out. Then we can go lift weights at the gym and hit up a bar like old times? I mean we could do some yoga or something. Yay not really my speed these days, Jen, I replied. It wasn't like the old times. I had traded my stiff drinks of tequila for coffee, and the weights for binge watching shows on Netflix. It was a lifestyle that Jensen could never understand. I'm sorry, dude. I've just never been the coffee shop type guy it seems like a place for Tinder, and potential missed connections to me. Missed connections? His eyes lit up. You've never heard of missed connections? The ones on Craigslist are the best. No, I don't have a clue, I replied, as I watched Jensen retrieve his phone. He seemed almost excited as he typed away on his phone. The sound of the surrounding chatter started to make me feel insecure. I imagined that everyone was watching us wondering what I was doing with this meathead, but at one point, I was just like him. He laughed loudly for a second and it made feel like I stood out like a sore thumb. I saw you at the Best Buy, Jensen said loudly, with a smile on his face. You were wearing a black cap and wore a pair of grey jeans. I've been dreaming of stripping you of them since I saw you that day. The F are you talking about? He grinned. It's the missed connections section on Craigslist. It's where people think they have a connection with someone in public and they post it hoping that the person will see it and reach out to them. That sounds kind of sad, Jen. If you mean sad as in hilarious. If you say so, dude, I said, as I took a sip of coffee. I looked around for a moment as Jensen kept reading and giggling like a little schoolboy. He put his phone down when he saw it started to annoy me. So, anyway you seeing anyone? The question made me uneasy, but I knew he would bring it up. It had been quite a while since we had seen one another, and it was a fair question to ask, but my insecurity started to come up, not at the moment, I muttered. You need to get back out there, man. Yay, I hear that from everyone. Jensen leaned forward. That's because they are right. We don't want to see you waste away being miserable. My life is a little different now, I replied irritated, as I looked at him. It was easy for him to say. His life had not changed. He could do the same things with little effort and without a thought. He knew he had hit a nerve. I'm sorry, man. I meant nothing by it. It's fine, I am still just working on things both mentally and physically. Yay, you will get there, but I have to get going I will be late for work, he said, as he began to stand up. I tried to follow him, but struggled and stumbled a bit. I watched his eyes and saw the look of pity. I hated it. It took a moment to regain my balance. We began to walk out the store as Jensen started to shuffle ahead. It took him a moment, but he turned around. Shit, I am sorry, he said remorsefully. It's fine I just can't move like I used to. I caught up to him as we looked over at his motorcycle. He was still riding the 1000R, and it was still in great condition. It was his pride and joy, but looking at it made my body ache. Jensen gave a light smile and moved into hugging me. It was good to see you. We need to keep in touch man because I miss you. I promise I will do better. Well, 
Let's do this again next week and you should read some of those misconnections. You will get a kick out of them. We departed and I headed out to run my errands. I could feel his little eyes staring at me as I walked down the aisle to grab some cereal and coffee. It was an innocent look. He tugged at his mother's pant leg as I struggled to crouch down to grab my favorite blend. He couldn't be older than five with dark brown hair and little brown eyes that studied me as I grabbed the bag of coffee. I turned to him and let out a little smile, but I knew it was coming as his mother turned to look over to me. Mommy, what is wrong with that man over there? He asked. She looked a lot like her child, but at the moment, her eyes widened, and her cheeks turned red. She glanced down to her son with a shaming look, and the back to me. I am so sorry, she said. It's okay, miss, I know he meant nothing by it, I assured her. I grabbed a box of cereal and walked back down the aisle. I tried to be mindful of every step as I strolled toward the checkout. It was probably me, but I could feel the eyes of everyone staring at me as I stood in line. I needed something to take my mind off of it, so I did what Jensen suggested. I looked at the missed connections. One caught my eye, though. It made me think that Jensen had decided to tease me. I read the title and then clicked it. The handsome man I saw at the coffee shop on 8th street. You were sitting there with a blonde man who seemed full of himself. You looked miserable at times, and it made me sad to see you like that. I will be in touch. Smile. I picked up my phone and dialed Jensen it went to voice my mail. You are a real asshole, but I will give you credit because I'm handsome, I joked before hanging up. It was the last I thought about it. I sat on my couch, debating what to watch on Netflix when my phone began to ring. It took a moment for me to lift myself off of my couch and to walk to the table where my phone was charging. I looked to see it was Jensen returning my call. I retrieved it and answered, Hello, Mr. Funny Guy. While I agree that you are a very handsome man, I have to ask what did I do? The post about us at the coffee shop? I don't know what you are talking about. Oh, I am so sure it's just it's coincidental that you told to look on there and now someone is describing me. Seriously, I don't follow. What do you mean a post that described you? You posted a missed connection on Craigslist, Jensen. No, I did not, but I wish I had because that would have been amazing to see the look on your face. He replied, as I shuffled over back to my couch. I relaxed back waiting for me to respond. He probably had a huge smile on his face. It was a good one, but I am hanging up now until you think a better way to lie. It wasn't me. I was too busy today to do anything like, and I am not even that clever. We all have our moments, Jen, I replied as I hung up the phone and went back to missed connections. Jensen would probably delete it now that I had caught him but something else stood out. It was another one from an hour ago. It was at the store where I had run into the child that stared at me. This is for the good-looking man who bought my favorite coffee at Waldron Market. I saw you again today. I know you hate when strangers look at you, but you have nothing to be ashamed of because you are perfect the way you are. Don't ever feel bad about yourself. I found it strange. It had to be a joke, but also I didn't see Jensen following me because that would require too much commitment. It started to make me feel a little worried the more I thought about it. It was a bit creepy. The only thing that distracted me was the ache in my right thigh. I had done a lot more walking today than usual. I decided it was time to change and try to take my mind off the weirdness. They couldn't be possibly talking about a person like me.
I walked into my bedroom to retrieve some sweatpants and a t-shirt. I stripped down, looking at my body. I was once a man in great shape, but now that muscle had now been replaced with ugly scars that riddled my torso and lower body. It was the big one that bothered me the most. It was the metal rod and fake foot that made my right leg. They saved my life that night, and multiple surgeries allowed me to still function. The one thing they couldn't save was my leg. It took months to get this one, and I was still getting used it. I lumbered around like a robot in a bad sci-fi movie, and it was the reason to me being insecure. I cursed the drunk driver who ran a red light and crashed into the right side of my motorcycle. It was a night that changed everything. He robbed me more than just a fully functioning body that night. The sound of my phone went off again, and I answered it. Dude, you need to call the police. It was Jensen who sounded concerned. What's going on? I asked a bit startled. I stood in my bedroom only in a pair of boxer briefs and clenching the phone tightly. I am reading to the man apartment apartment 124 in building D. My heart pounded as I looked out the bedroom window. It was my building and my apartment number. It was either a sick joke that Jensen was playing or someone had followed me home. What does it say? It says as I watch you strip to your clothes with a look of disgust I still find you perfect just the way you are. How could this? Call the police now. I am on my way, he shouted loudly. It's true, a voice said behind me, as I froze in fear. I slowly turned my head, trying to remain calm while I dialed 911. It was what behind me that shocked me to the core. I could even feel a phantom pain in my missing leg as I looked on. A woman with light brown hair stood behind me in my doorway. She had piercing hazel eyes and with a soft face. She looked at the same as she did that night wearing her gray blouse and dark denim jeans. She smiled at me as I struggled to gain my bearings. It was impossible for her to be here. I lost her that night along with my leg, while I was lucky enough to survive the accident, she had not. I walked away with a crushed leg, but my girlfriend Holly got stuck underneath the driver's tires. It crushed her that night. I could still remember the sound of her bones being crunched underneath the weight of the car. What are you doing here? I asked. I didn't like to mention her, because I felt guilty for that night. While I may have lost a leg, the biggest thing I lost that night was her. The thought of her eyes and smile were too much to bear. I just wanted you to know even without your leg that you are still perfect to me, and you should never feel insecure.